morning, church. Man, y'all pretty crowd. So, that was a compliment, all right? Come on. Hey, man, I'll tell you, it's, it's exciting to me to be here this morning. As I tell you, as our worship team was playing, I just I, I looked up there and I seen these guys playing, and, and, and it's like, it just hit me. It's like, those that's what we're after, because every person on this stage, God brought them from death to life. And they've been growing. And I'm looking back and looking at the lives that all these guys have been living and seeing how God's been grooming them and molding them and shaping them. And it's just, that's what we're about here at Connection Church. We're about to growing people into a relationship. We want to connect you to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're here for. And if this is your first time here, I hope this isn't your last time here. Um, the preaching is okay, but y'all just come. The music's awesome, okay? Y'all come back. Um, if, if you're here, it's your first time, though, fill out that, uh, on that card that you were given and put an offering plate so that we can, uh, the bucket or whatever, um, give it to a blue connector so that, man, we can just follow up with you guys. If you don't have any intentions of coming back, but you need somebody to pray for you, we, we still want to pray for you. So put that in there so we can be um, intentional with praying for you guys and loving on you guys. And uh, we just want to be that church. Not, it's not about us. It's about Jesus, right? Amen? Amen. All right. So we've been going through the series called A Better Story. And, uh, you know, I've been telling you guys to stick with us. Um, listen to the podcast if you're not here just so that we're all on the same page. Each message kind of builds on each other. We've talked about what identity self looks like, how a lot of us have, don't really have our lives circled on Christ because we don't really know who we are because we're letting everybody else tell us who we should be. You know, we went that way one Sunday. We talked about sore spots, those things in our life that um, it, when that person says something or we see that person or, uh, or something is said the wrong way, all of a sudden, those feelings that you've been burying for all those years come back. And we talked about how to deal with those sore spots. And then last week, we talked about what it meant to be stuck and how God helps us get unstuck. And this week, I'll just wait, we'll get to it in a minute. But anyway, this week, uh, I'm just excited about this week because I really feel like when I'm preaching, when a pastor's preaching something, it should be changing his life before it changes anybody else's life. Amen? And this thing has been changing me and, and giving, bringing back the joy that um, a lot of life has sucked out of me over the past two years. And so God's really been redirecting my thoughts. And my, so today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14, um, where Jesus walks on the water. Verse 22, where it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went on to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out on the boat, got out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. 
and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, Lord, just uh, expecting, expecting, God, you to do amazing things in people's hearts today. God, oftentimes we come to you, uh, uh, if you will, or if you, uh, God, I know that you are a God that answers prayers, and Lord, I know that, that uh, Lord, I have the faith uh, that knows that, that, God, if we listen to your word and we, uh, we allow your word to penetrate our hearts, then, God, you'll do a mighty thing in our lives today. So, God, I pray today that you would change our hearts. I pray, God, you would change our way of thinking. I pray, God, that, that Lord, that you would blot out any distractions that's come, uh, that we brought with us to church this morning. I pray, God, that you would move in our hearts in a mighty way so that we may receive the gift in which you want to give us. Father, I pray for peace in our lives today. I pray, God, for comfort. But, Lord, I also pray, Lord, that you would do anything that it takes to get our attention so that we can glorify you and live the life you've called us to live. For your name's sake, I pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, when I read that story, a lot of us have read that story growing up, and, and, and we've always kind of just thrown Peter under the bus, but like, ah, oh, he doubted. But there's more to the story than just Peter's failure to take when he took his eyes off of Jesus. We'll get to him in a minute. But, you know, we've all, all of us doing life, all of us going through life, we've all been in a place where we found ourselves somewhere where we didn't think we would be. Y'all with me? Life wasn't supposed to be this way. Um, I, I, I'm supposed to be a Christian. Why is life hard? Uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm, this is my prayer life, okay? I'm quoting from my journal. I'm going to be real, okay? What, what's happening? I cho- God, you sent me down this road, but now this is hard. This is horrible. Did, people don't like me. People are saying this. You know, I left easy pastures, and now I'm walking this hard road. What is going on? And if we're not careful, we allow our circumstances to tell us something contrary than what God's Word tells us. Amen? And if we're listening to the voices too long, we become to allow the voices, what they say about us, make our identity for us. Instead of our identity being in Jesus, our identity is in everybody else and what they think of us. Y'all with me? So I think we've got to realize that We've got to combat the lies of Satan and replace those things with the truth of God's Word. Amen? And so whenever you, whenever you have, whenever Satan's trying to lie to you and trying to make you feel like you're less than what God has made you to be, you've got to combat that with God's Word. But the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you're in God's Word. So I know there's a lot of Christians that you're, you're defeated every single week. You feel like you're, not, you're never good enough or nothing's going to happen because you don't have anything to combat Satan with because you're not in God's Word. And I never understood that when I first got saved, but the longer I walked with God, Satan will, will throw some kind of thought in my head, and I'm like, uh-uh, that, that ain't what my Bible says. That ain't what Jesus tells me. That ain't what the Holy Spirit's been leading me. You need to hush. Let me get real. I don't say hush. I say, you need to shut up. That's what I say. You need to get behind me. You need to be quiet because if we listen to the voices outside too long, we'll get lost in the ways of life. And there's too many people that go to church every week 
that's just beat down and burdened because they've listened to the wrong voices their whole entire life. Instead of listening to the only voice that matters, and that's the voice of Jesus. You know, when I think about, there's, there's four truths from this story that God tells us, and I think we need to hang on to when, when we're in battles, when we're in the storms of life. The first one I think we need to realize is, number one, is that Jesus sends us in the midst of the storm. I ain't going to get many amens on this one. I already know that, okay? Because we think, and I bought into that for a long time, I'm following Jesus. It's going to be smooth sailing all the way to when I go to heaven. I ain't going to have no more problems. Me and Jesus, we're going to be just like this. Come on. That's how, we, that's how we think. But that's not the reality. See, he didn't save us to so that we are, don't go through any struggles. He saved us so we wouldn't go to hell. So we wouldn't be separated from his presence. But let me tell you, when God's making you into what he called you to be, there's going to be some friction there. There's going to be some uncomfortability there. We're going to be comfortable. If you're going to church and you feel comfortable, chances are you're not allowing God to speak to you and change you. Because when he wants me to do stuff, it is very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. And we are people that want comfort, right? We're, we're Americans. We want comfort. We want air conditioner. Come on. We want all the comforts of life. God tell you, you got to go to Africa and live in a hut. You'd be like, uh-uh. I don't know if he was talking to me or not. Because it's uncomfortable. We want to keep our comfort. But see, I want you to understand, that's what, he's, that's what he did. Jesus, in verse 22, that's where we're going to be, verse 22. You got to understand, right before this, he just did an amazing miracle. Jesus just fed 5,000 people. I mean, they were like on a spiritual high. They were high-fiving each other. Did you see what Jesus just did? And then Jesus says, that's good, boys. Now get in the boat. He says, immediately Jesus made, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. He made them go there. Why? Why did he make, him, make them go there? Jesus knew there was going to be a storm. Jesus knew that they were going to be a bunch of panic-stricken little boys in this boat that had forgot everything he had just taught them. He knew that. Why? Why? And some of you look at me like, oh, I, don't, don't tell me why. Because we're hard-headed people. We're hard-headed people. And so in order for God to change us, he has to show us that our way is not sufficient. And so the way, he, he, what he's trying to do, he puts them into the boat, and, and they go out into the boat, and they're in the middle, and they're getting beaten. They're getting, the waves are all around them. They don't know what to do because he was going to use that situation to show them how small they were and how big he is. Think about Job in the Bible. Think about Job. I remember when I, when I, had a, I, there was a, when I first got saved, and some of y'all can, 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 uh, can relate to me. Everything that I knew was going, going wrong. I mean, my boat tore up, my truck messed up, my lawnmower messed up. It was just like bam, bam, bam. I had a motorcycle accident. I was laid up in the hospital bed for like three and a half months. I mean, it was like, really, God? I mean, I'm, I have decided to follow Jesus, and now you beat me up. What's going on? But it took all those things to make me realize who God was. And it was, in a, it was in that stuff. I was a new Christian. I had one of my buddies say, man, you're just like Job. You're like, you, got, you got the life of Job. And I was like, I was a new Christian. I was like, Job. So I was flicking through the Bible, and I don't know how to spell it at all. And I called him. I was like, hey, what's in this book of Job? 
And they were like, that's Job, so I need to read that. And y'all laughing because some of y'all think the same thing. Don't be hating on me. But what happened was I started reading that story, and I was like, man, I mean, God allowed a lot of evil stuff to happen to him. But, and when I was reading it, I was kind of getting offended, like, all right, now, God, this ain't right. This is, this is not right. Why are you letting this happen to poor Job? He ain't done nothing wrong. Why are you letting this happen? But then when I get to the end of the story, he used all that bad to make Job understand who he really was. He had a more intimate relationship with God because of the storms. I picked up my friend, my phone. I called my friend. I said, don't call me Job no more because I don't want it to get that bad. But I think when we get to the place when it's like, you know what, God, I want you to do whatever it takes to make me into the image in which you want me to be, then that's fine. You won't be there overnight. But it takes that heart of sincerity saying, I want that to happen. We all want that John 10, 10 life, right? Jesus says, I have come so you may have life more abundantly. We want that abundant life. You know, we want, we want, the, we want the, the American dream, we want all those things. We want peace and prosperity. We don't want anything else. But oftentimes for us to get to the level of peace in which we want, I've seen people live with the most amount of peace because they went through the most amount of hell. They walked through a lot of dirty stuff in their life, and they seen God be faithful through all the bad stuff. Then when they got and they had so much peace, and you see people that walk through some of the hardest things, but yet they are unmovable in their faith. You know why? Because they understand who Jesus is, and they're walking with him. I think one of the biggest, I, I had just given my life to the Lord, and, and I changed jobs, and I was working with a, with a fellow. And uh, when you become a land surveyor, you have to be under apprenticeship of another surveyor for eight years. Yeah, I could have been a doctor, I'll tell you, as long as it took me to get my license. But anyway, I, I was working under the apprenticeship of this guy, and, and I, he was from Midland, and I just met him, and, and uh, you know, we just had a, a connection. And uh, anyway, the, I started working with him, and, and uh, the guy, he had got brain cancer, and um, he walked with a cane. And everywhere that we went, I was like, uh, I, was, he, I, was, I was in training under him, but I was his chauffeur. I was his everything. We were walking down a line one day, and he couldn't really walk because he drug his leg because when he had the surgery to remove the brain cancer, it um, messed up the whole left side of his body, the right side of his body, I'm sorry. So he couldn't walk really. He had drug his leg, and his arm was stiff, and he couldn't use it. But that joker had joy, let me tell you. He was happy. And I couldn't understand it. And we were working together one day, and, and uh, there was a there was a a control point over a guardrail. And uh, I hopped over the guardrail and looking at it, and next thing I know, Benji jumped, he, he slings his legs, he's over there. I mean, you couldn't hold this guy back. And I'm like, dude, there's no way you're going to get back over there. Why did you do that? He said, if I can't get back over there, you'll help me. I was like, okay. So sure enough, he couldn't get back over there. I had to pick him up, and I had to, the way I had to pick him up, he was like a bride. I picked him up, he put his bad arm around my neck, took his good arm and held on to his bad arm, and I had him like this. And I was, and I, and I, I was stepping over the guardrail, we was right down there at Magnolia. I said, so help me God, Benji, if somebody sees me toting you like this. <laughs> and about that time I got up my mouth, I heard, beep, beep, beep. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to drop you in the road. But doing life with this guy, made me see what it really meant to walk through storms of life and still have the right perspective. Because he told me, he said, Jeremy, I was playing golf. Just started my own company. I was on the first hole, fitting the tee off. 
And when I teed off, my body went, but my legs stayed. And that was when I realized something was wrong. And I went to the doctor, went to MD Anderson, figured I had brain cancer. He had two kids. He was 38 years old at the time. I'm like, what in the world? He had every reason to be mad at God about his circumstances. And he said, it took cancer. It took me to become disabled for me to really understand how good God is. And you know what? I asked him one day, I said, well, I mean, are you mad at God? And he's like, you know what? If, I could, if he could say, go back, I wouldn't go because I know him more through the struggle than I knew him before. And I sat there and I watched my friend. He got, um, the brain cancer came back and I watched my friend, the, the, the cancer just debilitated him and um, he couldn't even hardly talk. I would go sit, I would go bring him lunch and he could, all he could do was say simple things. But let me tell you what he always had, a smile on his face. I said, Benji, I said, you going you know, this stuff, you know, we, we had real talks, you know. He, I said, uh, you, uh, you think this stuff's going to get you? He did say it like that. I said, what you think about it? He said, it only took, it took the struggle for him to get his heart to the place where he was okay wherever God wanted him. See, the abundant life isn't lands and houses. It's the abundant life of living a life of peace, knowing you're in the will of God wherever you are. No matter what life throws at you, you can be happy, you can have joy because you are following the God that created you. See, Jesus, sometimes he put, God puts us in storms to build our faith. See, a lot of you are in a storm of your life right now. There's stuff going on you don't understand. God's got you right there. He's trying to build your faith up. I'm not telling you something that I read in the book. I'm telling you something I live and I know. He puts you in hard spots so that you quit depending on yourself and you look to him to allow you to grow out of that. Sometimes he don't change your circumstances, but he changes you through your circumstances. Amen? And we've got to look to God in that and not, not have that whole, that whole woe is me attitude. See, God puts us through storms because he wants to get the you out of you. He wants to, let me repeat that. He wants to get the you out of you. Because the goal of this life is not comfort and peace. It's about growing more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so sometimes it takes some, some heartache, some hurt for us to back off of ourselves and say, you know what, God, I can't do this on my own. You do it. Show me what I need to do. Show me. Because the reality is this. He planted, he, he, all of us have a purpose in our life to live a life that glorifies God. It points people to Jesus. And the only way that happens is if you get rid of you. Pride don't, don't glorify God. Selfishness don't, selfishness don't glorify God. But when he puts you through storms and trials, it allows you to lean more on the presence of God than on yourself and it makes you more and more into the likeness of Jesus. I look back at the things in my life, and when I was going through them, let me tell you, I was complaining. I was complaining. But I look back now, and I'm like, thank you, God, for putting me through that, because I would never have produced this type of fruit if you wouldn't have put me through this type of storm. See, it's not as much about the storm as it is about what God wants to grow in your life through the storm. So stop looking at the storm. Stop looking at the circumstances and you need to start thinking, say, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? Because when you start asking those questions, things start, start changing. Amen. God wants to produce patience. He wants to produce self-control. He wants to produce long-suffering in your life so that you understand what those things mean. 
I was struggling through a situation not too long ago. Mad, mad. Let me tell you, I was mad that it wasn't changing. Like, I've been praying about it. I've been praying that this would change. This would happen. Nothing's changing. And Dallas said, Jeremy, maybe God's trying to teach you how to just be long-suffering. I was like, shut up. I don't want to hear that right now. But he was right because God was teaching me that no matter if, he, if they changed or not, he was still good. See, God tries to teach us things in the storm. The second thing is we need to understand is that his presence is the promise. Amen? You may be going through one of the most toughest trials of your whole entire life, but his presence is there. God, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, right? All right he, he promises that. So we need to understand that no matter what we go through in life, no matter how catastrophic it is, he is in the midst of it. And sometimes it's hard to convince ourselves that when we are going through some tough times. We're going through things that are unjustified. We're going through things that we didn't create on our own, stuff that just happened to us. Sometimes we want to play the blame card, and God's just trying to use it. You know, what I want you to understand is that when the disciples were in the boat, they were in the boat, Jesus was praying. It says, later that night, he was alone, and the boat had already been a considerable distance from the land buffing against the waves because the wind was against it. And then shortly after dawn, Jesus went on to them. In Mark, it says that Jesus saw them struggling at the oars. Mark chapter 6. He, they were struggling. They were trying to, he, Jesus was praying for them, and he saw them. No matter where you are right now, you might think you all by yourself, but Jesus is with you. Amen? The presence is with you. You just have to acknowledge it. You have, to, you, have to, you have to get out of the circumstance right then and look to Jesus in those, in those times, and it's hard. You have to be intentional with that because our first action, our first rule is that we're trying to fix it on our own. I'm a fixer. Anybody in here a fixer? Huh? I'm, I'm trying to fix things. Let, just You can't figure it out. Let, let me have it, okay? And so I'm just, and God's trying to tell me, boy, you, this is so messed up. I, you can't fix it. You've got to let me fix it. Sometimes we're going through things. We've got to let God fix them for us. But while we're going through this situation, we have to realize that, that he's in it with us. We always think that when we're, when we're going through tough times, we're going through bad circumstances, when, when, when people are, are leaving us or people are, are calling. Really, when I changed my lifestyle and I started living for Christ and everybody that I once was affiliated with started turning on me and saying all this junk about me, man, that, that made me mad. I was like, here I am just following Jesus. Now they're trying to call me, they're trying to call me this Bible beater. I ain't beating the Bible. I'm just reading it. You know, well, why are they saying all this stuff? I was like, God, where are you in this? Where are you in this? And I'm driving down the road just complaining. And I forgot to look over because he was sitting right there. He was sitting right there. He was right beside me the whole time. I was just too busy, focused on the problem instead of looking at the solution. Amen. See, Jesus had his eye on them the whole time. He was watching them. And I'm telling you, he was watching them in a good way. Not the, not the way that we talk about Santa Claus, you know, tell the little kids, Santa Claus is watching you if you won't be careful. You know, he's keeping a list. Who's naughty and nice? If you won't be careful, you won't get no presents. Not that kind of watching us. Not, we think God watches us to condemn us. He wasn't watching them to condemn them. He was watching them to protect them. But he was waiting to come in at the right time. See, often we want God to save us right when we're uncomfortable. And often it takes us feeling hopeless, us feeling insecure for, in order for him to do the most work in our hearts. 
I told you I won't get many amens from this one because I'm telling you, I know this is hard stuff, but this is the reality that if we will press on and keep our eyes on Christ, even in the hardest of situations and circumstances, he will show us how good he is. But we have to be faithful and stick to it. I don't know about you, but when, I've, when I'm going through this past two years, even though I was not alone, I felt alone. I could be in a room full of people that, that told me they loved me and cared about me, but yet I felt alone. You ever been in a room with people that you know cared about you, but you felt by yourself? I mean, I felt alone and all that. I'm like, God, where are you in this? There's hopelessness that settled in. I had been listening to all the wrong voices. This gives me hope to realizing that the good news is that I'm never truly alone. No matter if I have talked myself into it, I'm never alone. Does that give you any comfort today? No matter what you're walking through, that you're never alone? Jesus, was, he's in every kind of situation. He's in everything. You are not by yourself. But see, what we have to do, we have to look at the situation and call it what it is. All of it. I'm telling you, a lot of times the enemy will often lie to us and we hear all these voices. It might, might be just me hearing voices. You know, I tell you, anybody hear voices? Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I'm playing. <laughs> Putting you on some medicine. But uh, anyway... We all can hear these voices, and it's voices like this. It's voices like, Jesus has no idea what you're dealing with. Jesus has no idea what you're dealing with. Voices like, Jesus could never understand the pain that you feel right now. Jesus could never understand your circumstances. Jesus wasn't in this circumstance. Jesus don't know what you feel like. Those voices, the voices saying, hey, I'm in this all by myself, and nobody cares. All of those are lies. All of those are lies. And we have to recognize those lies, and we got to rebuke them in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, this is a practical thing to do. If you're around me much and, God don't, and Satan's on me, you're going to think I'm crazy because I'm like, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I rebuke this lustful fault in the name of Jesus. I rebuke this depression in the name of Jesus. And I have to do that because if I don't do that, I allow the voices to overcome me. So when I rebuke those things, it all of a sudden it makes me acknowledge that my God is bigger than my problems. And when I rebuke it, it goes away. And you're looking at me like this is very simple and this is crazy, but this is what works for me. You know what? Because I'm putting it all in the hands of Jesus. Because when I, I've, I've walked through this long enough trying to do it on my own, trying to fix it on my own, trying to state the voices, shut up, and I want to own it. It don't work. But when I give it to Jesus, it goes away. So I'm going to start keep going with what's working. Amen. So some of you have been trying the same old things. Maybe it's time to try Jesus. Stop giving it. Stop trying to do it yourself. See, the truth is this. The truth is this. Hebrews 14, 5 says that we have a high priest. I'll tell you what, let me read. This is good. It's too good not to read. And I'm dyslexic. It was Hebrews 4, 15, not 14, 5. Forgive me. But he says this. He says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us in our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Glory, hallelujah. 
That should give you some hope and peace. We have a Savior that identifies with our struggles. Jesus can identify with you because he's walked the same road. He's walked the same path. There's nothing no, too big for Jesus. There's nothing too big for him to handle. But yet we try to handle it on our own. He understands where we are. So when Satan's trying to say he don't understand, you need to tell him to shut up because Jesus understands what it's like to be let down. He understands what it's like to be rejected. He understands what it's like to be wrongly accused. He understands what it's like to have people that he loved back out on him. He understands what those things feel like. So stop trying to put yourself on a pedestal like you're better than God because you're not. Jesus has felt all the same things we have felt, but yet he never sinned. That's why he's the perfect sacrifice for us. So we have to look at it and say, you know what? Whatever I'm fighting today, whatever storm that I'm found myself in, if it's addiction, if it's lust, if it's alcohol, if it's depression, if it's whatever it is, Jesus knows where you are. You're not alone in this. You're not alone. You're not alone. Man, I'm telling you, that, that gives me comfort, knowing that my God can identify with me. So wherever you are, you're not alone, and Jesus understands where you are. Nobody else may be, may be able to understand you, but Jesus does. I remember we were going, Sabrina and I, we were going through some stuff, and, and, I, and like I said, I'm a fixer, and she was telling me how she felt, and I didn't understand, and I was like, I, I don't understand. She said, that's why I don't tell nobody nothing. Don't nobody understand me. I'm like, I ain't got nothing to say to that. When you feel like nobody else understands you, Jesus does. When you feel like that, you've, that you have nobody else you can talk to, nobody else you can tell, tell it to Jesus. He came, he died, he bled so that you and him could have a personal relationship so that you can tell him where you're struggling. You can tell him where you are. You, you can be honest with him, and he will be right there where you are at. Amen. But we treat him like he's so far off he won't understand. But he's a personal God. The third thing is that we need to realize when we're in this stuff is that, that Jesus always gets us to the other side. He always gets us to the other side. But the other side is us growing in faith. May not be, may not be that your situation is going to change, but he gets you to the other side. Somebody's like, I was looking for some encouragement, and that ain't real encouraging. I want to tell you, the, the story that we're reading right now this is the second time the disciples have been in the boat. All right, the first time, they just, they, right after their conversion, they were in the boat. They were in this storm. They were freaking out. Jesus was asleep. Y'all remember the story? And Jesus, they wake him up, and he says, peace be still. And they were like, whoa, what happened? And now they're in the boat by themselves, rowing, 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 and they forget what happened last time. How many times we've been in the battle and we've been in the storm and we've been in, we, we, we feel discouraged and we forget what Jesus did last time? Amen. We got to, break, we got to go back to what he delivered us from last time. You got to go back and, 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 and just work off that confidence in what he did last time. Amen. And so they were sitting there looking at what had happened and they were in this boat. And, and why were they in this boat? Why, why did Jesus put them back in this boat? Why, why did he torment them by making them feel like they were going to die? Because he, wasn't care, he didn't care about their comfort. He cared about their growth. He wanted them to have more faith in him. And he knew that the only reason they were going, the only way they were going to have more faith in him was that they were going to have to be in a very uncomfortable situation that they could not get out of on their own. And a lot of us are in the places that we are in life. 
is because we wouldn't learn no other way. So don't blame God. Blame your hard-headed self. You know, but what I love about this, though, even though they were, they were there, they were struggling, the Scripture says that he walked by them. Like, he came to them. Whew, this is good. You better, you better write this down. He was, he was coming, he was walking by them, and if they had not acknowledged him, he would have kept on going. And a lot of us are struggling. We're, we got our hands to the oars, and we're just trying to fix this on our own, trying to fix this problem, and Jesus is right here. And all you got to do is acknowledge him, and he'll stop and come your way. But instead, you're trying to do it yourself, and he just walks right on by. And then, then you're like, oh, God, what's happened? I hadn't, you, you, you've left me. He was right there. You just didn't want him to be involved in your life at the time. That's why that personal relationship with Jesus is so important because we know and we see him and we understand him. We're, we're talking to him every day. How many times have, have we just been just doing it ourselves and just we get so tired? See, that's why a lot of people, while a lot of people say they want salvation, they want to follow Jesus, and then six months later, they leave the church and never come back. You know why? Because they're trying to do it on their own. They're trying to change on their own. They're trying to be a better person. You will never be a better person apart from the Holy Spirit. You can't do this by yourself. So you, you sit here, you keep trying to do it on your own, and you're going to fail, and you're going to be discouraged, and you're going to be like, there's no need in this. You're right because you're doing it on your own. If you give it to God, you start following him, you allow him to change your life, you allow him to modify your life, things will be different. Because I've done it both ways, and the first way don't work. The only way you feel freedom, the only way you, you, you really know that this is true, that you can bank on this word, is when you live this word. And when you let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. And the last thing is that Jesus has the final word in our story. He has the final word. I don't care what you're going through right now, but my God has the final word in your situation. And you may think it's over. You may think that, that, that the marriage is too hard. You may think that the, that, this is, that, the, that the sickness is too bad. You may think that all these things are too big. But let me tell you, Jesus has the final word. And things will change when he says it's time to change. But a lot of times, we're looking at the situation instead of looking to Jesus. And I know I've said that three times. And somebody's going to say, well, you're just being repetitive. I want you to listen. I want you to get it. Y'all get me? Y'all with me? This means yes, this means no. This right here means I am out of here. I ain't listening. See, what happens in, is, I want you to understand, everybody looks at what happens to Peter in this story. Peter says, hey, he's in this storm. He's like, hey, if that's you, Jesus, let me come to you. He's like, well, come on. And he stepped out of the boat, and he starts walking to Jesus. And he begins to look around. He gets distorted. He gets, the waves are hitting him. He, gets, he starts panicking. And next thing you know, he starts sinking. See, that's a lot of us in life. We've jumped out of the boat and we've been walking to Christ. And instead of keeping our eyes on Jesus, we've allowed world, the, the world around us to get our eyes off of him. And we're sinking. Some of us feel hopeless. Some of us feel like there will be no way we're going to get out of this situation without it causing so much catastrophe in our lives. But what I love about this is when Peter cried out to Jesus, what did he do? He didn't say he waited. He didn't say that he waited and he, he resuscitated him. No, he didn't do that. He reached down immediately and grabbed him. We serve a God that listens to our cries, church. 
And when we come to him with a sincere heart of saying, God, save me, he reaches down immediately and pulls us up out of it. Jesus has the final word. Not our circumstances, not our experiences. Some, a lot of people find themselves drowning by life. You find yourself drowned, you don't know what to do. I think you just have to go back to saying, you know what? I'm still alive for a reason. Because if this stuff, if this life was over, I'd be gone. And I may be feeling like I'm hopeless right now, but I'm in this season for a reason. And what is God trying to tell me and teach me right here in this situation? Because evidently, he's not done with me yet. You know, we got this illusion of thinking that the moment we start following Christ, we're going to be we're going to be just perfect. Huh? Who, 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 who do you know that the moment they got saved, they're perfect? Don't nobody say mama either. But, that's the, but, but, but the world paints that picture, don't they? They put in real unrealistic expectations that the moment you start following Christ, that means that's it. You've got to be perfect. And, and we walk in condemnation every single day feeling like we're not accepted by God. He knows where you are. He knows what's going on in your life. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. That means if he called you to salvation, he's going to see you through to the end. He's going to make sure that you are walking through the sanctification process. He's going to put you in situations. He's going to put you in hard spots so that your character is being groomed. Your character is being molded. He's forming you. He's shaping you into what he sees you to be. Man, how awesome is that? You have a God that has a purpose and a plan for your life. You're you're like clay in the potter's hands. And sometimes he has to come in there and reshape our whole thinking so it lines up to where he's wanting us to go. And for a lot of us, he needs to reshape this whole religious attitude we have, thinking that as long as we come and go to church, we're good to go. He's got to take that block and chop that off. And sometimes that's painful for us to realize that it ain't about going to church. It's about walking in a relationship with Jesus Christ. When he walks with me and he talks with me every single day, we're walking in that personal relationship. That's what he's called us to be, church. Jesus has the final word in our lives. If you've, watched, if you've raised your hand, if you said, I want to follow Jesus and life's been hard, don't quit on Jesus because he still has a plan for you. Don't give up. Keep putting those feet in front of each other. Keep getting up and having that intentionality, but you need to say, God, in this hard place that I am right now, what in my head do I need to change? What kind of thinking process need to change? God, I'm waking up feeling desperate, but Lord, I'm desperate for you to change me. You need to to start changing the way you're thinking about the problems and not looking at the situation, but look to God. Because when you start looking to God in those situations, He changes the whole situation. I mean, I got... When I was laying in a hospital bed, I want to tell you something. I laid in a hospital bed in my living room for three months. And I'm the type of person, I, I just, that's just how I am. I, I don't want nobody to help me. I don't want nobody to do nothing for me. We're going to do this. And I had to rely on my wife to help me to the bathroom. That will humble you. Let me tell you something. And I walked through those three months feeling hopeless, Feeling like I ain't never, doctors telling me that I won't never really be able to walk like I used to again. I had all these different things going through my mind. 
I'm not, not going to be complete. I, I walked through this whole thing. And I walked through my own little pity party for, for probably about a month and a half. And then one night, about 3 o'clock in the morning, I was on Facebook. That was my only out to the outside world. You know I was in bad shape. You know, everybody said they want to come see you until something happens to you. Then nobody's going to see you. But anyhow, I'm laying there. And I was chatting with a friend of mine that I met in high school. And he became a youth pastor. And he began to just tell me the struggles in his life and addictions that he faced and all these things. And it was like he was preaching my life. And he said, Jeremy, just hang on. You're going to heal up, and God's going to use you in a way through this that you never had thought about. And something in that made me change. And I stopped praying for the pity party, and I started praying for God to change my line of thinking so that I can see why he put me in this hard place. And I found myself starting to have hope. I found myself starting to, to, to be positive, and then I found myself starting to heal. But not just my leg, but my heart. And it's time for a lot of us to start realizing that Jesus has the final word in our stories. That he's not done with you yet. That if he truly started to work in your life, if you truly surrender your life to Jesus, then he's not done. No matter the mistakes, no matter the, the, the hiccups, no matter those things, he's not done. So stop walking into condemnation because that's keeping you from walking closer to Jesus. How I many, is, is, does, that, does that free anybody this morning? That frees me. I ain't gotta be perfect. I just gotta be following him. And as I, I'm not perfect yet. The only time I'll be perfect is when I take my last breath and I'll get in his presence. The goal is not perfection. The goal is pursuing. And when I'm pursuing him, I'm pursuing everything he wants out of my life more than anything else. And that means even in the bad stuff. So if y'all with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to do something a little different this morning. You know, Jesus has the final word in our life. But the question is, the question is, the question I got to ask you today is, did he even start? Has he started anything in your life? If he has the final word, that means something has to be began. Something has to start. Have you ever really stepped out of the boat? Has he stepped out of the boat? Have you stepped out of the boat and started trusting in Jesus? Is he, is he in the boat that you're in right now? Is he in your life? Just you being able to look from your boat and seeing him on the shore don't mean that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He has to be in the boat with you. Is he in your life? Because you got to remember, church, he's not too far away. He's right here. And his arm is not too short to save us. So if you're here today and you have never really given your life to Jesus, never really surrendered your life to Christ, you've never started down that journey. You may have had a religious attitude and been to church, but you don't have that personal relationship. I just want to challenge you with everybody with their eyes closed. You raise your hand and say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to surrender my life today. Anybody? That's good. But that means the rest of us got some work to do. The thing is, is if you're here this morning and, and, every, and you're like, you know what? I'm a wreck inside. My emotions are all over the place. I feel accepted one day and I feel defeated the next. I, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's like a war every day and I don't know who's winning. You feel hopeless. You just, you've been going at it on your own. You've been trying to change your own self. You've been trying to fix yourself. 
You've allowed circumstances to, uh, to really define who you are. You've allowed what other people say about you to make you feel like who, that's who you are. So you feel like you're not being profitable. You're not growing. If that's you this morning, I want to challenge you something. Throw that pride away and just stand up in your seat so I can pray. We can pray together. If that's you this morning, stand up. Amen, brother. Amen, sister. Amen. No condemnation. I, nobody sees you standing. If that's you, stand. Amen. So everybody's, everybody's eyes closed. Those of you that are standing, I'm going to pray over you right now. Lord God, I pray for these that are bold enough to stand. Bold enough to throw their pride. Bold enough to admit, you know what, I don't have this thing together. God, I pray for these brave souls that chose to stand and say, you know what, I'm tired of feeling the way I've been feeling. I'm tired of being defeated. I'm tired of these things. God, I pray right now you would change their thinking. I pray, God, you would change their mind. God, I pray in the power of the Holy Spirit that you would change them from this point forward to where when they're looking at their problems, they don't look and see the waves. They see you, Jesus. I pray right now, God, that you would release them from the chains that are holding them down. I pray, Jesus, that you would move in a mighty way in their lives. That, God, they would see your redemptive power. They would be able to look back years from now and see how you broke the strongholds in their life. God, I pray right now for victory in their lives. I pray, Father, that you would just move in a powerful way in them and through them so that their spouses, their neighbors, their co-workers can see a true difference in their life because they choose you over the circumstances. God, I pray right now that you would not allow them to feel defeated anymore. That, God, you would fill them with hope, that you would fill them with peace, that, God, you would move in a powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everyone stand to your feet. If God's talking to you, you move. If you need special prayer, I'm here. The most important thing is not that you came to church this morning. The most important thing is if you did business with Jesus this morning. Amen? I don't want a church full of people with empty hearts. I want people to have a heart on fire for Jesus. And the only way that happens is if we are people that are Throw our pride away. Don't care what nobody thinks. And we're going to do business with God. Amen? So let's be those people. Let's take those steps. Let's be obedient.